after I learned these strategies and uh, my life improved, um, my grades improved, everything in my life got better, I got really upset actually. I was like, this is so unfair. There were simple things I could have been doing this whole entire time that would have made things a whole lot easier. I didn't have to struggle, I didn't have to stress, I didn't have to suffer. And the other thing I was feeling besides just angry about it was, wow, I got to show other people how to do this. And um, I don't I don't talk about this um, a lot, but how I ended up teaching it was... Um, what a cliffhanger. Sorry to do that to you, but you have to listen to this one. That was Jim Quick, author of the best-selling phenomenal book called Limitless. Jim's the founder of Quick Brain. He's a podcast host, teacher, coach, and so much more. But before we go too far into this, welcome to the Not Almost There podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chura, and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. This conversation was recently recorded in Jim's home, and I can tell you it was a surreal experience. Jim is a personal mentor to me, and as I've said before, how I was able to find mentors is through podcasts and books. And Jim's book, Limitless, was certainly that, as it's packed with actionable key takeaways and common sense principles to apply in your everyday life. I guarantee you it will make you think differently and dare I say, maybe make you a little bit smarter like it did for me. The timing of this one is perfect as I'm thrilled to announce Jim will be part of the Refuel Conference coming up December 15th. More to come after this episode. But on today's show, Jim dives deep into parts of his story that he doesn't talk about often and he teaches us the top 10 skills people need to train their brain and what his daily routine looks like. As a bonus, Jim gives us two simple things to do to read faster, and I'm telling you, these work. I've improved my reading speed significantly in just two quick sessions by using them. So let's not wait anymore. Get your shoes on, silence your notifications, give Jim your focus, and listen to this episode of Not Almost There. Jim Quick, how are you today? I'm doing outstanding, Joe. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is incredible. I cannot believe I'm in your your book room here. Yeah, this is um when people hear my story there they would be surprised if I, you know, read a book much less wrote a book. I used to have this fear kind of phobia of books cuz I had to it took me 3 years longer just to learn how to read with my brain injury as a child and I would always get nervous around books. I think it became one of those things where you pass around the book as a child and you get like nervous because you have to read out loud because I, I couldn't do it. So um, yeah, now I love libraries. I want to dive into that for sure. Um, but first, uh, yeah. you're Jim Quick. You have millions of people that watch your videos, your YouTube channel, your podcast. You have um, You have trained hundreds of thousands of students at this point, kids and adults, into how to use their brain. Mm. You've taught celebrities. In fact, I saw the infamous picture walking up here that I'd love to get a picture with you by later yeah. regarding the X-Men and your your adventure there that I want to dive into. And you've just done so many incredible things and you've been an inspiration to me and so many other people I know. But the story didn't start that way. It it yeah. was it was far different. You were you were a child and I think other children and people can relate. I know I certainly can. I still to this day have a hard time learning things as fast as others. Mm -hmm. But you had something happen to you when you were young that really stuck out to me. I think it's only fair to start there to really set up your story. Sure. Um, my my inspiration was came out of desperation, you could say. 
Um, as I, I alluded to, I had a, when I was five years old in, in school, elementary school, I had a very bad fall and I had a traumatic brain injury. And, um, you know, after that I was rushed to the emergency room and don't have a lot of memories around that time, but my parents said I was never really the same where before I was very curious, very energized, very playful. I became very like shut down and where it really showed up was in school. I had poor focus, uh, poor memory. It took me an extra few years just to learn how to read. I was teased a lot for it. Um, you know, I I remember when I was nine years old, I was struggling. I was, you know, a teacher came to my defense. Um, but all I remember her saying, she pointed to me and said, that's the boy with the broken brain. And that label kind of became my limit. Every single time I wasn't picked for sports or did well in school, which was very often, I would always say, oh, because I have the broken brain. That became my self-talk. And so I learned ways to compensate over the years and, you know, to go from below normal to normal to some people, you know, say above. And um, yeah, I became my passion. My passion became learning and I fell in love with my brain. And now my purpose is teaching other people how to learn better, how to focus, how to remember, how to how to read faster, um, basically to level up their learning so they can level up their own life. You know, that that's, a, I want to build a better, brighter world and so our mission is no brain left behind. Yeah, yeah, the mission is unbelievable. And as I told you earlier that I'm a student of, of yours and so is my daughter, Morgan. And oh, nice. she has a question for you that I'll get into in a, in a little bit. Uh, I asked her last night, I'm like, what should I ask Jim? Oh, that's so, cool. yeah. So oh, how, how old? Uh, she's 11. Oh, amazing, amazing, Yeah, and my, my nine-year-old uh, watches as well. So it's okay. uh, it's it's been what really a, What cool. an advantage. I, I wish I was exposed to a lot of the content. You know, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, you know, fan of a lot of the guests that you've had on your stage and also in your podcast. And just ama- having access to that that knowledge early on. It's incredible. That would, that would have been a complete game changer. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I want to get into, like, why don't schools teach more of that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but. But first, I want to just kind of back up a little bit because what I found fascinating, somewhat ironic, is your love for superheroes. And when you stood on that chair when you were in school, Mm -hmm. when you fell, you're actually looking um, to see if you can view a fireman. Yeah. I I grew up um, outside of New York City in Westchester, New York, and um, we were a block away from a firehouse. And so I got, I was always enamored by firefighters. You know, for me, they were modern day superheroes. They had their uniforms. They, they ran towards danger where most people are running away from danger. They, um, they offered people real help and real hope. And, um, yeah, so for, for me, I, I just really enamored. I used to have fire truck, you know, like toy, all the toys and everything. So, um, yeah, I believe that we all need people to inspire us to be able to, you know, that shows us that one person can make a difference. And uh, yeah, that, that was actually what happened. I heard these, these sirens outside in kindergarten class and we couldn't see outside the window because, you know, we're, we're five years old. So we all went to grab our chairs from our desks and bring them to the windowsill. And I, I took a bad fall into an iron grate kind of radiator. And um, yeah, even thinking about it, it's just like a little, little uh, it gets me a little bit unnerved, but um, but yeah, but th- that's what I wanted to see, and um, so I'm, I'm very, I believe uh, we we all have this superhero potential inside of us. And then you, it, what what I found fascinating about your story, it's not like you just had the, these issues of learning in grade school. You actually had them in high school, and then throughout oh, yeah. college as well. It it was it was at least like thirteen fourteen years straight. 
um, you know, I would work hard because that was, you know, really one of the traits, you know, I got from my parents. They're very disciplined and they worked hard and very kind. And But um, I wouldn't get the results. I would work three times harder than people around me. And um, it was tough. You know, it really made me uh, feel like I wasn't enough, that there was something wrong with me. Um, I would do a book report. But if a teacher asked me to present in front of the class, I was so nervous. I was phobic of public speaking. And uh, I would lie. And I would actually take the zero instead of actually doing it because I was so frightened. Um, and the universe has a sense of humor, right? My two biggest challenges growing up were learning and public speaking. And, right. and that's that's all I do for a living. Um, and so, but I do believe our struggles can become strengths. You know, I, I imagine, you know, with your with your story, and we were talking before you know, we started recording that, you know, sometimes adversity can be an advantage, uh, right? Sometimes we have to go through difficulty so. to, you know, to be able to develop ourselves. Yeah, I used to not be able to speak. I had such a horrible stutter mm. and I uh, was terrified of going in front of, of anyone. In seventh or eighth grade, I remember I had a part in the play my, I still remember my name. It was Seymour Cash uh, in, this, <laughs> in this play. And I was a Hollywood producer in the play, and I had like five lines, and I was mortified because the spotlights are on you, mm-hmm. you're on, you're ready to go. And it is humorous because I built a company and grew it, and how I got decent at public speaking was just getting up in front of everyone. Right. And gradually over time, as my employee base grew, I didn't I didn't notice. And then I'd speak at events, and I'm it was nothing. Right, right. It's just, it's just interesting. Incredible. Yeah. That it's sort of growing from like, you know, 100 to 200 to 300 to 800, all those yeah. people. And then all of a sudden, like, after you get past a certain number, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. Because so now you like, do these events with like a thousand plus people, and it's yeah. just, you it's, get, do you get nervous at all? No, I get really energized from it. It's That's like, amazing. it's the opposite. It's so interesting yeah. because of where I came from to be able to stand in front of people and get energized. And I think it's because, I learned a while ago, it's not about me. It's about mm. them. It's about teaching them or or being a, a funnel for information. Yeah. So I'm here to get them to learn, but I'm not the one that is necessarily teaching. I'm the one that is funneling this information through me to the audience. I love that. Um, yeah, I think that's why we're here is to be able, because, you know, like if somebody gives you a dollar and you give them a dollar, not much changes. But if you share a new idea, or some kind of inspiration with somebody and they share an idea and all of a sudden you have brand new ideas and new and new levels of inspiration and then you could really create some big change. Yeah. Do you think your parents coming, um, being an immigrant, being immigrants, mm-hmm. uh, coming here made a big difference for you in the sense of how to deal with adversity? And what are the, what are some of the things that they told you as you were going through this as a, as a child? Yeah, my my dad came here um, when he was 13. Um, he unfortunately lost both of his uh, parents. Um, Sorry. And so they couldn't afford, he had uh, two other siblings. He couldn't afford, they couldn't afford to like, to feed him and everything. So he came here to live with his aunt, uh, didn't speak the language and just, uh, you know, you know, had the normal challenges of adapting and, and everything. Um, my mother lived in the back of a laundromat that her parents um, worked at. And so, you know, again, didn't speak the language. And so that was a little bit of a barrier. But because of it, you know, we really prioritized family. We prioritized um, hard work. I was, you know, I had my paper route because I didn't, we didn't have as a lot of um, uh, access. We didn't have the, necessarily the education or the money or the network or anything. But, um, but I was very 
I wanted to work hard. So I, I used to read the comics. That's how I taught myself how to, how to read. Um, and then the, the newspaper comics, I saw an ad there about it in newspaper, you know, delivery boy. And I, I took it and um, started delivering it three years, probably earlier than I was legally supposed to be able to do. Um, but it was just, my parents really, um, they're not the wealthiest people, more spiritual or the most health conscious or, you know, probably never read a self-development book or took a yoga class or meditate, but they're just really kind, good people. You know, I believe the life we live are the lessons we teach other people. And they were just my, my, they were my original superheroes, you know, you know, the ones I looked up to. And so they always really encouraged us, my, my, me and my siblings to be able to work hard and just be kind, always learn. And, um, you know, good things will happen. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love that story. And I think that is, uh, uh, an ingredient to you overcoming that, that adversity, but Another ingredient I know happened when you were in college and you went to your 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 friend's house. Yeah, I was I was a freshman in college and I um I thought freshman meant I could make a fresh start, so I took all these <laughs> classes and I was so excited to show the world and you know make my parents proud and I did I did worse and I because college is so much more difficult because you're spending so much less time in school and more is on your own responsibility. And uh, so I was ready to quit because I didn't have the money even to be in school. And so um, a friend said, hey, before you make this big decision, um, why don't you get some perspective? And I think it's important for us every once in a while to get some new perspective, to change the people we're with or change the place that we're in and the environment. And so I visit him and his family one weekend and the father is walking me around his property and says, well, how's school? Which is the worst question you could ask me. I, I just... And I'm 18 years old, very insecure, and I break down in front of this complete stranger, which is very rare, but I had so much emotional buildup and um, tell my whole story about broken brain and ready to quit school. And then he was like, why, do you in, why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share? And, you know, I ended up writing it down uh, for him, you know, on a piece of paper, I make this bucket list. And when I'm done, I start folding it to put in my pocket and he rips it out of my hand and he starts reading my dreams. And I start freaking out, honestly, because I didn't, I wasn't expecting him to, because you're, you're, you know, I mean, I think all of us are concerned about other people's opinions about them being judged by people. And, and when he's, he looks at it, he's, when he's done, he says, you're this close to everything on this list. And if you're not watching it on video, I'm spraying my index fingers about a foot apart. And I'm like, no way, give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack that list. He takes his fingers and he puts them to the side of my my head, meaning what's in between is is the key, the bridge. And he takes me into a room I've never seen before. It's uh, wall to wall, ceiling to floor, covered in books, you know. And I never been in a, like a library in somebody's home before. And you know, like this, like this. yeah, I've never. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of videos of me in this in this library here. If you're watching this on video, um, so this is really amazing. Um, I feel very at much, very much at home. I wish I could have osmosis and all of it. I would sleep in a room like this now, yeah. but back then I was very. It was very intimidating. But he starts to grab books and hand them to me, and there were these really early personal growth books, and um, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, Psycho Cybernetics. Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, like all these, you know, icons and some very early, uh, um, and also some biographies of some incredible men and women. And he, he makes me commit to reading one book a week. 
and that those those books ended up changing my life. You know, if people see photos of me with Oprah or, or Elon or Bill Gates or any of these people, we we bonded over books, and that's that. There's no there's no magic behind it. It's just leaders are readers, and um, you know, I'm very passionate about. It. If somebody has decades of experience and they put into a book, and you could sit down in a few days and read that book, you could download decades into days, and I just think it's a huge advantage to learn from other people's experience. You know, same as listening to to podcasts. Yeah, no, I I absolutely love that story. When you were describing it, you don't say, or I haven't heard you say. I'm sure you've said it sometime. What was on that list? What were a few things that were on there? Yeah, um, there were a lot of things on that list. Were things I wanted to do for my parents, um, things that that they couldn't afford, or even if they had the the means, they wouldn't do for themselves. You know, because they just. Um, so, so you know, like taking them on on trips and doing things that that um, you know it's easy to take for granted, and so and that was the leverage, honestly, because when when he first presented me with all these books, I was like, I can't do this, I can't even keep up with my schoolwork. But um, when he started reading those things out loud, it provided a purpose, and I think it's so important for us to be able to realize why we do what we do. That if anyone who's listening has trouble with motivation or motivating other people, I think reasons reap results. When when people could feel the benefit that will come from following through, or, or they feel the maybe the pain that comes from not following through, I think it gives uh, gives us uh, some drive. And so I'm always looking for that in myself and others. Like I'm on this passionate pursuit of potential in other people. It just that lights me up more than anything. And, uh, but I think it's important to start with why you want to do something like, uh, like Simon Sinek talks about, start with why. So what you're handed these, this, these stack of books, mm-hmm. I imagine it was pretty critical to start with the right one to keep, to start the spark. Yeah. What was that first book? Yeah. So I don't know which with the first one, because I started reading, um, I was a very slow reader at one point. And so I was, I would, part of the reasons why I would flip through you know, multiple books simultaneously, like, you know, trying to multitask uh, or at that early age because I wanted to devour it. And I wouldn't eat or sleep or anything because I really couldn't keep up with my my schoolwork. Um, but I would I would say definitely Thinking We're Rich was very early on. Um, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People was like a mind-blowing, yeah. mind-blowing book for me. Um, you know, it was, it was a book I would read almost every year, you know, talk about the power of remembering people's names and that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and, you know, in life and in, in your work. Um, you know, but it's, it's amazing that all these books, you know, they're, they're timely, but they're also timeless, you know, a lot, a lot of wisdom there. And so now I know the power of, of, of a book. And so now I'm just finding myself writing every single day, just even if I'm not going to publish it, uh, but I'll post it on social media or something like that. Or as a tweet or somewhere. You have an incredible amount of quotes and sayings. You're like <laughs> the king of these yeah. amazing, like one or two liners that I don't even know how you, well, I know how you remember everything because mm-hmm. you have memory techniques to remember <laughs> them. But it's, are, are those all derive at least from an old book that you read or a newer book? Yeah, I, I would say that um, all of us are, you know, sitting or standing on shoulders of, you know, people before us. And I, I just feel like um, a lot of this wisdom, 
I think we get people attracted to our work because we make neuroscience and this um, and possibly kind of accessible for you know the every everyday person. Um, I don't have like a PhD or a master's or I'm not a you know psychologist or anything that ends with an ist at all. <laughs> um, but I just you know I'm just sharing my own personal experience and, and because we have students as you mentioned all around the world in every country we get a lot of feedback. But um. You know, I feed my mind constantly. There's not a day that goes by that I don't read. Um, but then I also schedule time just to ponder. I, I feel like sometimes when we're going through the day, we don't schedule white space. And I think that's so important for all your all your listeners because if they're listening to this, then they're achievers, right? Um, they know for their business to grow or their brand to grow or their bank account to grow that they need to grow, right? That if you could change your brain, you could change your life, you change your brain, you could change the entire world. Um, but it takes constant uh, improvement. You know, I have this thing of I always be learning chapter one. <laughs> but um, but I think the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. Because knowledge today is not only power, the right knowledge is profit, right? And um, and so, yes, I so I come up with a lot of ideas, but it's it's only because I just practice the things that I that I teach. And so um, I think that I'm more concerned with feeding my mind each day than I am even feeding my body. You know, and then whatever you nourish tends to flourish. And um, there you it, go. There you go. <laughs> just make these up. But, but we have to stand guard to, to, our, to our mind. And, you know, it's sometimes we just let anything come in. And I just think it's so important that um, there's a quote in Limitless from a French philosopher. And he says, Life is the C between B and D. B is birth, D is death. Life, C is choice. And I do believe we always have a choice on what to focus on, um, you know, what things mean, how we're going to feel about something. Um, you know, and uh, what we're going to do at any given time. And those all those choices add up and they create, you know, our life. And I, I think it's important to remind everybody that we have agencies, you know, we, that we shouldn't always give, it's so easy to give up our power to something on the outside and say, okay, I'll feel good if the weather's like this, or I'll feel good if this person treats me this way. And um, no judgment, but I just feel like that, you know, that we want to be a, this metaphor I talk about being a thermostat, not a thermometer thermometer just reacts to everything. I mean, sometimes we react to the economy or politics or stuff, um, but a thermostat doesn't react. It gauges the environment, but then it sets a goal, right? It sets a temperature, it sets a vision, and the environment reacts to it. And um, and I think that for the most part, we have more power and, and influence than we think we do, that we're smarter and we're stronger than we think. And sometimes it takes life's conditions to be able to reveal, you know, that. Yeah, and the, the irony is, I think life rewards uniqueness mm. versus reactiveness. I, I, I would second that for sure. I, I think nowadays, like the future belongs a lot to the creators. Um, you know, where a lot of even jobs are being outsourced, they're being automated or artificial intelligence. What's not is going to be, is what's truly limitless. There's no limit to our creativity. There's no limit to our ability to solve problems. There's no limit to our imagination. There's no limit to our ability to come together. Um, you know, and, and, and make positive change. And so, um, yeah, we live, we live in exciting times, you know, like we, whoever's listening to this, like you are the greatest project you're ever going to get to work on. So you need to take time and make time to create, create magic. Yeah, no, that's, that's right on. You said something earlier about, uh, giving yourself time to just think and ponder and what, what I find, Interesting, and I want to get into the villains in a few minutes yeah. uh, from your book. 
but my my son's nine years old and I'm not exaggerating. If he doesn't have something to do for two minutes, he says he's bored. Mm. And I said, just daydream, just like just stare out the window and think of something. And that thought is so tough for him to grasp because he's had constant attention. Some of it is, it, I mean, it's on me, right? Like he's not getting a phone, he's not getting devices, he's not getting that attention of, unless I'm giving it to him in those ways. But it is, I find it very hard for kids to be able to just relax and daydream mm. and think and visualize and think about things. And I wonder what's what happens down the line because we haven't seen generations come right. from this constant connectedness. Right. Yeah, we live in, um, and I'm not an anti-technology, you know, technology allows this to happen, you know, for us to be able to connect and, and be able to, to educate or entertain or empower people people that we will never meet. Um, but I think technology is a tool for us to use, but if it's using us, then, then we become the tool. And I don't think that's, that's the goal. Um, I think everybody, my general feeling for it, because I get this question a lot about, you know, eventually these devices are going to be implanted in our, in our <laughs> minds. And, um, you know, I probably wouldn't be an early adopter to that. Like I, I want to just like, uh, you know, we have cars that could take us from here to there or elevator. You know, I, I always preferred, if I can, to exercise, you know, my, my body or my mind um, to do it more organically. But, um, but yet, certainly with this generation, they'll never know what it, you know, back in college, I, I, there was, you know, I didn't have access to the internet, right? And there was no email or anything else like that. And so it, I would imagine right now there's this, these, you mentioned some of these digital kind of, villains, if you will, that it just intensifies things. Like we live in an environment that hasn't caused these challenges, but it's amplified a lot of our distraction, a lot of our overload, you know, a lot of our kind of like, it takes time to think and it takes energy to think and to ponder. And sometimes if the devices are doing the thinking for us through algorithms or they're telling you, hey, this is what you should be eating or this is what we recommend, um, or this is like the news uh, and it's kind of filtering out things and we don't get to use our critical thinking and be logical and, and rational. And so I feel like those muscles um, aren't getting flexed as much and they're not getting used. And so I would say use it or lose it. And so with with kids, you know, it's, it's this healthy, some people call it a balance. I would call it more of a harmony, trying to figure out, you know, no judgment, just finding what works for, for everybody. But I would always say, you know, never let a tool just do all the work for you because, you know, I'd want to exercise my mind, you know, and so um, I want to keep it active and that's how we keep it fit and help it like, um, like it's kind of like if you're born and, and, and like, or you hit the age of where you could drive and you were given a car and it's like your car free, clear, but you had that car the rest of your life and you couldn't change it. How well would you take care of that car, right? right. And well, we're born with this, vehicle called our body, you know, which has a brain also as part of it. And I feel like we, we self-care is so important now, you know, making sure we upgrade it and take care of it. And so, um, so, so kids growing up, yes, they, they, a lot of them feel like they're driven to distraction because every ring, ping, ding, app notification, social media, alert, like, share, comment, it's just this, you know, big dopamine flood that maybe is driving us to be distracted. And that's why I think it's important for kids and adults because adults are just, you know, you know, big kids to have time to play, to have time to ponder, 
to schedule white space to be able to think, especially adults, because that's that's our value in the marketplace, our ability to solve problems, our ability to be creative, our ability to make good decisions. But I feel like people's they only do it like when when they have to or in between things as opposed to really scheduling time when they're most alert and and just pondering a question, right? Or something for their business, something for their their life. Yeah, one of the action items you have in the book is just to memorize someone's phone number, which back in the day, that's oh, that's all you had. You had the, yeah. the landlines, and then you just had to remember a phone number. You get someone's phone number on a piece of paper. There's no exchanging of contacts digitally. Yeah. And it's just so funny to think about that. Another story, I was, I was just laughing because it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was my honeymoon in 2008. I'm driving with my wife. We're in Europe. Never been even out of the country, except like maybe Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 30 years old or so. And we go to Saint-Tropez from Nice. We rent this smart car that, you know, I'm 6'2", and we're in this little smart car. She falls <laughs> asleep on the way back. There's no navigation. It's getting dark, and all I saw is the ocean. And I'm wow. like, okay, I have no clue where I'm at. I'm like an hour and a half from our hotel. No way to get it. Don't speak French at all. And <laughs> like, how do I get back? And it was, we, we. I mean, I had many twists and turns, me trying to wake her up. Like, Heather, get up. You got to help me here. You know, she's not very directionally challenged. She has many good qualities, but that's not one of them. And it was, it was just crazy. And I just think of that because I had to rely on like, okay, where's the yeah. sun setting? Where's the ocean? <laughs> How do I get back to this? Because I knew, I knew as long as I followed the ocean in some manner, I would get back because we were, we were staying mm-hmm. pretty close to it. it was, and it's just, it's just really interesting because now it'd be like, why would you do that? You can just look on your phone and go to Google Maps and find yeah, directions. So. You don't even have to have that critical thinking. Yeah. There have been studies done even in London where they, they have the taxi drivers, their brains are actually wired different and they're denser in different parts of their brains. they have to memorize it, right? Yeah. They have to go to school for that. Yeah, very yeah. much so. And so you, that, that's the whole, so, you know, the whole book Limitless is and, and our work is just the reason why you can you know, redraw the borders and boundaries of what's possible is because of you know, the science of our brain. It's like neuroplasticity saying that our brain adapts. It's the ultimate adaptation machine, meaning that when it's provide has new novel has novelty, there's some new stimulus that uh, that our brains will actually uh, change depending on our experience. So it could change our thoughts, it could change our habits, it could change our feelings, and we could rewire ourselves uh, just like a muscle. Like you give it novelty and you feed it nutrition, you give it some some sleep, and it could grow stronger. Same thing with our mental muscles, and so it's an exciting time. Without a doubt. So I want to go back a bit because I need to bridge the gap between mm-hmm. you starting to read these books and the Jim Quick now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened in between those? <laughs> I know that's a loaded question. Yeah. What happened like in between those two periods? How I ended up doing this for my well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I never, you know, I never thought growing up that I would, you know, if someone asked me like what I would be when I grew up, it wouldn't. <laughs> It wouldn't be a, a brain coach. Brain coach, no. <laughs> like I think we coined that word like a good twenty-five plus years ago. Um, so I, what I would say is, um, after I learned these strategies and uh, my life improved, um, my grades improved, everything in my life got better. I got really upset. Actually, I was like, "This is so unfair." There were simple things I could have been doing this whole entire time that would have made things a whole lot easier. I didn't have to struggle. I didn't have to stress. I didn't have to suffer. And the other thing I was feeling besides just angry about it was, wow, I got to 
show other people how to do this. And um, I don't, I don't talk about this um, a lot, but how I ended up teaching it was um, I found a classroom that wasn't being used one night when I was having these thoughts, uh, like a Thursday night at seven and it was empty. So I was like, next Thursday, I'm going to just put five or 10 people in that room and, and teach them some things. And then maybe afterwards, one or two of them will like to go on this journey and, and, and learn deeper. I could tutor them. And so I go home to my dorm room and I take out a piece of paper and I write a mark with a marker. It's my first marketing. Free speed reading, memory tips, get better grades in less time. Is this your freshman year? This is my freshman year. Okay. And then I write the, the room number, Thursday, seven o'clock. Uh, next morning, on the way to class, I make some photocopies, put it on some you know boards, um, not a lot. And then fast forward to Thursday, seven o'clock, I'm walking to this classroom, hoping just five people showed up. And when I get turned the hallway, there's a crowd of people outside the classroom. And my honest answer, my question was like, oh, I was like, wow, I hope whatever's going on ends <laughs> soon so I could do my, my thing, right? And uh and I couldn't even get in because there's this tall guy in the, in the doorway. And I was like, what's going on inside? And he's like, there's a speed reading class. Honestly, I said, wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> like, what are the chances there's another speed reading class in the same classroom, the same night, the same time? And I kind of pushed my way in and it's a crowd of people there. Every seat is taken, people standing in the back. And lo and behold, no one's teaching, right? And it takes my slow brain all that time to realize why they're all there. I do a head count instead of five or 10 people. There's 110 people. And remember, I'm You're so phobic. terrified, yeah. I'm phobic of public speaking. I'm 18 years old. I look really young, all right? This is like 30 years ago. And I'm, I, I'm wearing t-shirt shorts. There's graduate students, teaching assistants there. Um, and I have nothing prepared to talk about, right? And my heart's beating out of my chest and I can't even breathe because I'm so like terrified. So I leave because I can't even perform, right? And I go, I can't even go back to my dorm room because my, you know, friends will just, you know, make fun of me. So I go to this fountain and I just kind of meditate just to get centered. And when I'm meditating, I hear this voice and it's my, my mother's voice. And I won't tell you what she said, but it essentially is, a hundred people came out to learn something. You're disappointing them. You're disappointing me kind of thing. And I'm doing this walking meditation back to my dorm room and I stop and I take one step back to the classroom. And I noticed, Joe, that one step in another direction can completely change your destination in your life or your, uh, some people call it their destiny. So I go back to the classroom and I honestly, it's embarrassing as a memory expert. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> it just you know, came through me. I don't know if you, sometimes on stage, yeah. you just like, you just open your mouth and it's just stream of consciousness. But at the end of two hours, I said, hey, I don't know if I could help all of you, but I, you know, I could teach you what I know in 10 hours, maybe two hours a week for the next five weeks. If you're interested, I get 30 bucks an hour. That's what I got teaching tennis back in, in high school. And uh, I'll be in the student center tomorrow noon. And this is what happened. A hundred people stand up and they leave. They don't, not one person talks to me. And now I'm there, it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm in an empty classroom and I'm totally confused. Like what just happened? And I'm exhausted because I'm mentally, emotionally, physically like just spent. Cause you ever face a fear and it just like takes everything out of you. And I end up falling asleep on the carpet and I get woken up by the class coming in the next morning. Uh, which is embarrassing. Uh, I run back home, back to my dorm room, shower, go to breakfast, go to class. 12 o'clock comes. I was like, oh, I promised I'd be in student center. I go to student center. I hope just one person is there that believed in me. 
and I get there, the same crowd is there. At the end of not even two hours, 71 of these students signed up for a program that didn't even exist. And um, that at $300 a person, because I didn't even do the math, $30 an hour for times 10 hours. Yeah. And because I didn't realize that the kids could go to have these ATM cards and they could just take out 300 because I didn't have, I didn't have that. And so now I'm not even 19 years old and I have like $21,000 cash in my book bag. And, um, you know, and I just, I use that to, to feed my mind and, and really pursue my, my skills, knowledge, skills, and abilities. I travel around the country learning everything I can about memory, speed reading, focus, um, neuroscience, eventually positive psychology. And one of those, the reason why I'm here today is one of those students, she was a freshman. She read 30 books in 30 days, all on health and wellness and immune system. And she ended up saving her mom's life of like a terminal cancer. And uh, when I heard that, I realized that if knowledge is power, then then learning is our superpower. And it's the superpower we all have. And uh, I dedicated my, this was 30 years ago, I dedicated my life to helping people to unleash that power. Yeah. So that is an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I, th- I think a lot of people could identify with taking like some of the messes in our life and turning it into our, our message. You know what I mean? We, we go through all, we all go through challenges. And I think that challenges could lead to change that, um, you know, that our struggles could be our superpowers. And, yeah. you know, and if it's not there yet, I just feel like that there's a version of ourselves that we haven't met yet. And I think the goal is we just show up every single day until uh, until we're introduced. Isn't it crazy? I've I've talked a lot about on the this on the podcast, like the dots connecting behind you, but you can't really see them in front of you. And you yeah. taking that step, you meditating, even rewinding back that you go to your friend's house, like here how serendipitous all of that was mm. to the steps to lead you to kind of where you're at to finding your purpose to help others with your with your gifts that you've read from books yeah i mean it's it's, it's really incredible i get i just got goosebumps i i call them, i call them truth bumps uh, so I, I i um it feels that feels right to me i feel like that we can't you know my hope is that everyone who's watching or listening to this that they look back that if they're going through difficult times right now that they could look back and they they could realize, you know, even a year from now or two years from now or whatever amount of time in the future that things happen um, the way they're supposed to. Um, that maybe at the, they get to a point where they're actually glad and they appreciate that things didn't work out the way they once hoped, you know, and that that's how I feel. You know, I went with, I had three traumatic brain injuries, put in special classes. My mom became a special education teacher in public school system to be able to help me. I feel like the things that I was sometimes embarrassed about growing up with my learning challenges or things, uh, situations, and I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of now. Yeah. You know, and so we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress. So we don't hear a lot about post-traumatic growth, which is that uh, I would imagine you've had this experience, maybe something you've gone through, just, you know, it was really, really tough. You want wish upon, maybe you went through something that was really, really tough and um, you won't wish upon anybody, but, you know, you got to a point where you wouldn't change it. You know, through it, maybe somebody listening, they found meaning, they found a strength, they found a mission, you know, and it, it gave them purpose. 
Yeah, no, that's that is so right on, and the the irony of the story that I told earlier, with regards to me speaking, my son who's nine, is on the autism spectrum because of speech apraxia. I mean, one of the his symptoms is speech apraxia. Mm. He can't read, nor can he speak fluently uh, yet, and so it's been a life of, of adversity for him mm-hmm. since he's been two years old. But I think it's gonna lead up to him being. Um, a very, very strong individual. Yeah. And it's interesting because I also am a believer that adversity is a very is a gift. And mm-hmm. yet, like when I look at my children, it's I it's hard to balance not removing adversity from them completely because the I have the ability to give them more than I received. So I don't yeah. know if you have any advice on that, but I'd love to. I'd love yeah, to I, I mean, it's been my personal experience as well that, I mean, that the, self, the whole idea where we fall because it allows us to, you know, to, to develop our strength, to be able to get back up. I feel like I haven't met a strong person ever that had an easy past. You know, I, I can't think of one strong person that I know that had an easy past. And I feel like, you know, that, that, that adversity certainly can be an advantage that I think that, you know, we have to choose our hard, you know, you've heard, heard other people talk about it, but it's just like, Hey, you know, like, you know, um, being sick is hard and being fit is hard. You know, we, we choose our hard, you know, you know, not having money is hard and, and working and developing something is hard. We, we choose that hard relationships, you know, breaking up is hard and, and having a long-term relationship, it's, it's, it's hard also. We just have to choose choose what's difficult. And it's been my experience that if we just always relegate ourselves to doing the easy things in life, then that's when life gets really hard. You know, the easy thing in life is to do nothing, is, is to just binge, and no judgment, because that's everyone everyone's own prerogative and their own um, purpose. But if we just procrastinate and put everything off, then life gets really hard. But if we do the difficult things in life, then life gets a lot easier. So I feel like, um, you know, that's why we have it. I mean, you go to the gym and you lift weights and you don't curse the weights, some of us do, but uh, but you do it because it, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to get more fit. And, um, you know, life is our event, right? Life is our conference every day is like our seminar and we have problems, you know, and these problems, you know, help build our our determination, you know, our, our drive, our, our faith, you know, our, our resilience and our grit. And so I think it's, it's important, you know, especially for children to realize that, you know, even the basis of like a growth mindset and a fixed mindset is just like, you know, we're not rewarding people by calling them geniuses and everything. We're, we're rewarding their discipline or we're, we're rewarding their effort that they're putting into something so that way, if they, if children, or even your those you're managing or leading, you know, if they have the difficulty that it, they either say, "Oh, I'm either good at this or I'm not," as opposed to you know rewarding their effort and their their um their struggle, and um, I think that's a big lesson for all of us to learn. And it, it, it's that you know, it's that simple, and it's also that hard because <laughs> it's one thing to say; it's another one, you know, when you're going through it. But I think part of this process is being kind to ourselves, you know, realizing that, you know, kind of like falling in love with that person in a mirror who's been through so much, but is still, still standing, 
you know? And so whoever's struggling right now, just remember people are watching and you inspire people with your grit, you know, and your grace, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. And so I, and, and asking for help, just as a reminder, is a sign of strength. You know, there's not, I don't think anyone's an island. You know, we all have people that are supporting us, whether we know it or not, you know, that are maybe rooting for us or clients that are, you know, buying from us. So it, it, it takes a village. You know, that's how we become limitless. You know, like people ask how to become limitless in a limited world. We do it together. You know, exactly what we're doing right, you know, right now. And I think community is so important. That's why, you know, I'm excited to speak at your event, to, to be able to, to meet, you know, all the members there, to be able to share ideas. Like we all need somebody to encourage us, to challenge us, to cheerlead for us, um, to empower us. And if you haven't found that person, my recommendation is be that person for somebody else. Yeah. You know, especially be that person for yourself. That's so right on. And I don't know why it took me 43 years to realize that if you want to help someone change, the best thing you could do is lead by example. Oh, I like that. And that's, and that is yeah. kind of what you're saying is like, you're, you don't know who you're inspiring. You just, you just yeah. don't. We were talking about that and going on stage and how you, you do it because you're there. You don't get nervous because as soon as you step on, you're just thinking about who you're contributing to. You're like you never know who's in the audience. You know, that was me because like, you know, reading these books or going to these seminars very early on when I was 18, I used to, I used to get friends to chip in like $20 to be able to get gas to go to an event, like, you know, two States away, um, which, which is difficult, you know, cause I was there drinking money or something else like that. But I just, you never know who's in the audience and you never know who, who could benefit from this. And that, that keeps me going. Like, Right now, knowing that people are listening to this around, you know, around the world in different places, you know, maybe they get one idea or they just, they double down on themselves and they show up and, you know, everything could change. But I do believe that one step in another direction, you know, just with what I had gone through, it could change everything. So when we make one little step on like, hey, I'm going to do 10 minutes of reading today or 10 minutes of exercise, or I'm going to spend 10 extra minutes with my kid or something like that. All of that adds up to, little things add up to big things. Yeah. I was reading, uh, I think it was Atomic Habits, and they were talking about like getting someone to floss. You know, you, right, you don't, right, right. You don't, you have your floss by your toothbrush, and then you're like, okay, just floss one tooth, which sounds ridiculous, right? You do one tooth, and you're like, that's easy. And you're like, the next day, do two teeth. And the next thing you know, you're flossing. Yeah. So it's those incremental baby steps to develop habits. Yeah, I believe consistency compounds. You know, little by little, a little becomes a, a whole lot. So even, you know, as, as you know, you were talking about like improving just 1% every single time, right? Adds up to huge, huge changes. Right. And that's how winning is done. That's how transformation happens. You know, it's just a reminder that every, every expert was once a beginner, right? Every, every professional or pro was once an amateur, right? And so big things all have small beginnings. So I want to ask about action steps mm -hmm. and things people should look out for, like the digital kind of yeah. detox and the digital dementia and that. And then I want to talk quickly about um, the things people should focus on without giving them the techniques, because we'll see, yeah. we'll save refuel for that. Your courses <laughs> dive into that. They're very actionable. Your book does a really good job in summarizing those and getting people started. Yeah. So we'll save that as a teaser, but, but I want to just kind of outline it. But before that, because I know I'm going to forget if I don't ask you this, your 
your friend's dad. Have you talked to him since then? Does he know who you've become? Yeah. So um, this was three decades ago. So um, <laughs> things, um, I, I tried to track this person down um, like years and years ago, you know, and uh, haven't been successful at it, you know, but it's, you know, my, my thing is he always, he talked about how the life you live or the lessons you teach you know, just like you were saying that you can't change anybody, but you're going to be an example for them. And so, you know, for me, my promise has always been to pay it forward, you know, to be that, be that mentor for somebody else. Yeah. And I feel like that's, uh, you know, like a modern day superhero is anybody who has a relationship with a human being, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an entrepreneur, if you could add unique value, as you talked about, um, you know, and service because everything in life, you know, nature, everything grows, you know, it's green and it grows, um, or it's, uh, has to give, it has to give back to the environment. Otherwise it's kind of eliminated. And I feel like that's when we're, ha we're happiest when we're, we're, we're making advance and we're advancing, we're progressing. And we're also, um, we're giving back. I think like, we donated all the proceeds to limitless hundreds of thousands of dollars to charity, to Alzheimer's research, to building schools around the world for children who have no access to education. And I think the formula is you learn to earn so you can return. You know, it's exactly what you do with refuel, like how you'd be able to, as a philanthropist, be able to give back. Um, I think it's important because especially nowadays, it, that's what heroes do. It's just, they, um, they're there for those people who are in need. And I think that's a great antidote to fear. You know, where a lot of people right now are really struggling with anxiety and stress, I think an antidote to anxiety, stress, and fear is contribution. You know, putting our focus on making somebody's life, you know, a little bit better. And, um, you know, and we do all do it in our unique ways. How do you invest some of your time, your talent, or your treasure to just make a, a difference? And it can be just calling on a neighbor who might feel lonely. It can be making food for some frontline work. It can be anything, right? Mm -hmm. But it, um, but I think that that's why that's why we're here. Well, it's just like what happened to you. I mean, you faced your fear and you had this out-of-body experience where you were able to deliver your first talk. And from that point, you just kept taking steps. You know? Yeah, and over time, I mean, everyone sees the end result, right? Yeah. But we, we don't see what's below the iceberg very often. The struggle, the embarrassment, like the, all the failures and the mistakes. Oh, I and, say that so much. It's so right? true. Yeah. yeah, so success is definitely not a straight line, nor do I think it... It, would, it wouldn't be interesting if it was, right? But I feel like, for I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to this, you know, as well as anybody who takes personal responsibility, you know, for their life. And sometimes you have to feed your business until it feeds you back, <laughs> right? You know, and if you do the things that other people aren't willing to do, then you could, you know, maybe even live a life that other people, you know, can't. Yeah. But it, but it takes work. And, and that's the thing. There's no... I don't know any way around it. It it takes it takes discipline. It takes hard work. It takes sacrifice. Um, but it's not about whether it's easy. It's whether it's whether it's worth it. Yeah, no, that's so right on. And I I can fully relate to that. It was years before I took a salary in in my companies. Um, wow. And it, in 2013, it was it was a bit ironic because we. I, uh, the only funding I got so created two businesses was, uh, 
convertible note from a client. Wow. And that note equated to the same amount of money, coincidentally, that we lost that year, which was $300,000 in 2013. Interesting. And, uh, and in 2017, I'm so blessed to say we were ranked number 39 of the fastest growing companies on the Wow. We had a few hundred employees and we're a very healthy company. And, and, and I can tell you that it was, there were so many nights of stress of like developing literally disease on my body, like eczema, wow, like, wow. and like, you don't see that side of it. Yeah. You know, you just, and I only say that to say like, there's so much below the iceberg that goes on and you, you tend to see the outcomes good, good or bad, but mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff takes work. It's not, a, it's not yeah. this linear path. It's not a magic pill. Um, but that said, it's so possible. Like if I was able to to do this and, and you were able to do what you do, not speaking mm-hmm. for you, but like people are limitless. I don't think it's a, I don't, I think it's a limited world at all. Like yeah. there's so much you could do. There's so much abundance that that's out there. We talk about it on our podcast, you know, like about exponential thinking and how we live in a world that, I mean, we have more access to the world's information in our pockets than, than Clinton had access to when he was president. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and I, going back to what you were saying, what's below the surface, like I went for a run this morning. That's the two things I have to do. I have to run and read every day, you know, with, with the name Lake Quick. <laughs> they do it pretty fast also. But um, I was going past this lake and there were these ducks and it's kind of like that duck on the water, right? It could be all calm on the on the surface, but underneath it could be pedaling like yeah. really, really fast. And you know, we don't always see that. But, um, you know, and th- that's one of the things on social media and I love social media and it's, you know, challenging. Sometimes we develop this kind of digital depression where we're always kind of comparing ourselves to everybody else's life and then the highlight trailer. And the truth is sometimes, you know, it's greener where you, where you water it. And sometimes it's greener on Instagram because of the filter they're using, (laughs) you know, or there's a lot of artificial turf that's out there. And I would say that comparison and envy is the thief of joy. And I'm just saying, you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else other than, you know, this about, you know, the the best potential of our own self or the right. person we were yesterday. And I think we it's so important for us to do things on our own timeline. And, um, and it liberates us from the, you know, a lot of people don't know their purpose. And I would say that a lot of us, you might, if, but sometimes it's buried under other, a pile of other people's expectations and, and opinions about ourselves. I think that's a great segue into what, uh, what I wanted to talk about, which with, which is um, what should people watch out for? Like, what are yeah. these digital villains or, or villains in general? Yeah. So I was saying that uh, there are four forces that are out there driven by technology that we talk about in Limitless that actually is compromising our, our productivity, our performance, even our, pro- our profitability and our prosperity and uh, and peace of mind, frankly. I tend to alliterate everything, so it's a lot of Ps. <laughs> but um, so really quickly, so these are like the four horsemen of the mental apocalypse. Number one is digital deluge. It's a term that I coined, basically talking about information overwhelm, right? Higher, and information anxiety is a real a health condition, higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness. And it's like taking a sip of water out of a fire hose. So that's why I always teach um, people how to read faster or learn faster because I think it's the most important skill today. You know, I know we'll be talking about that in depth at, at your event and um, even people's strategies to be able to accelerate their learning. I think if there's one skill to master, it's our ability to learn rapidly. Like an, an individual or a team's ability to learn rapidly and translate that learning into action is the ultimate competitive advantage. 
Second supervillain besides digital deluge is digital distraction. You know, like how do you maintain your focus and your concentration to get things done? You know, you read a page in a book and you forget what you just read because your mind is wandering or you're on Zoom or you just hear your attention is going elsewhere. So techniques to, to hone your concentration. And then digital dementia, which you mentioned about phone numbers. I mean, how many phone numbers do we all know growing up? Like all of them, uh, you know, unless you were born, you know, more in, <laughs> more recently. But um, how many phone numbers do we know now? We know like like one or two or three memorized. And not that you want to memorize 500 phone numbers, but it should be concerning we've lost the ability to remember one or a PIN number or a passcode or something we were going to say or something somebody told us or an appointment or someone's name. I believe two of the most costly words in business are, I forgot. I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot that conversation. I forgot that meeting. I forgot that name. Um, and then finally, the, the fourth one is digital deduction. It's a term that I coined basically saying that because of technology, technology is doing all the thinking for us, is telling us what to buy and what to eat and what to think. And um, you know, thinking, it takes a lot of cognitive energy. And so that's why so few people actually indulge in it because they're tired all the time. They have mental fog or, um, you know, they're, they have brain fatigue and they, you know, you know, they, they're like looking at a menu at the end of the day and they can't even order something for right. dinner because they're just so spent. And uh, so we teach people, you know, basics in uh, critical thinking, uh, good decision-making, problem-solving abilities. And that's really, you know, what I think should have been taught back in school you know, school taught us what to learn, what to focus on, what to remember, what to study, what to think, but not how to remember, how to focus, you know, how to study, how to think, you know, how to learn better. And so there's no focus one-on-one back in school or retention one-on-one. And so that that's my my passion through our, our videos, through our podcasts, through our books, is teaching people this thing called meta-learning, learning how, how to learn. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, it's exactly what I've been learning from you in Limitless, and I'd love to touch on some of those things now. So when you when you are teaching these these courses or you're getting feedback, yeah. what is what what are the, some of the the top skills that people should have to uh, train their brain? Yeah, so I, there's two different parts. There's the the hardware and the software. So a lot of what we, what you mentioned, our courses and our podcast teaches the software on how to remember names and how to read faster, how to focus and concentrate. And you can learn great programming, but you have to also upgrade the the hardware also. So um, that's really the amazing thing, right? This three pound matter between our ears called our brain. So 10 of my favorite things to focus on. So we know that one third of your memory and your brain's potential is predetermined by genetics and biology and two-thirds is in our control, at least two-thirds. Some people would say 100% is in our control, you know, according to epigenetics and everything. So um, 10 quick things, I would say, and people could write this down. I would encourage everyone to actually rate themselves, maybe do a quick assessment, zero to 10, how much time and energy they're putting towards it. Number one is a good brain diet, because what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. So some of my favorite brain foods are like avocados and blueberries, broccoli, olive oil. If your diet allows eggs, the choline in eggs is good for cognitive health. Um, Green leafy vegetables like kale and spinach. Um, If you eat fish, sardines and wild salmon, your brain is mostly fat, so those fish oils. Turmeric helps to lower inflammation in your body and your brain. 
Um, was this experimentation? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I just want to, I want to understand like how, how did you come up with that list? So this is actually science-based. So it's a whole area of science uh, we talk about in the book called neuronutrition, that your brain is only 2% of your body mass, but it requires 20% of the nutrients. So your brain actually requires different nutrients than the rest of your physical body. Obviously your body is part, your brain is part of your body. And so, um, like for example, the vitamin E in walnuts is very neuroprotective, right? It's a great antioxidant for your brain. Um, dark chocolate is, is wonderful for your brain. Not milk chocolate or high sugar, but generally what's good for your mood is going to be good for your mind. And so on a scale of zero to 10, people could rate themselves, you know, how much, how good is their diet? Because um, what we matters, you know, to our brain, it literally becomes us, right? And the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, processed food, fried food, sugar, really um, messes with our brain, something fierce. So um, zero to 10. Um, number two, I got this from Dr. Daniel Amen, who's a famous brain doctor, uh, killing ants, killing ants, automatic negative thoughts is, because um, I believe your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program that will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering people's names, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. So on a scale of zero to 10, how, how positive, encouraging, empowering are your thoughts? Um, number three, exercise. And that's probably the most well-documented. What's good for your heart is going to be good for your head. When you move your body, when your body moves, your brain grooves in new ways. Um, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for neuroplasticity. And yet, and I don't mean just like, doing soul cycle or Pilates three times a week. I mean, moving throughout the day. You know, we live in a very sedentary lifestyle. We're all behind screens. Uh, people don't know if they're working from home or they're living at work and um, it can be very stationary. So we need to, the primary reason we have a brain is to control our movement. So move all day. So on a scale of zero to 10. Um, brain nutrients, I'll throw that in there. I'm not a, an, an expert on this. I'm not a nutritionist. So talk to your functional medicine doctor, but you know, having a profile done um, to see what nutrients you might be lacking uh, because you can learn a great technique on speed reading, but if you're lacking certain like B vitamins or omega-3s, you're not going to perform as well, right? So you need to take care of that hardware. So you might need to supplement. I always prefer getting it from food, but you know, if you can't get it through food, get it through um, supplementation. And then number five as a positive peer group. Highly recommend this because it's not just your neurological networks or your biological networks. It's often our social networks. Who you spend time with is who you become, right? And that's why I think it's great that they're that everyone who's listening to this, they're, they're part of your community. Um, they could connect with you on YouTube, through social media, through your live events, and uh, realize that we're not in it by ourselves. Um, and we go further when we're doing it together. And we tend to who you spend time with is who you become. That's why these gatherings are so important because we start adapting, you know, I always tell people to watch W-A-T-C-H, I use a lot of acronyms. <laughs> w is your words, uh, A are your actions, T are your thoughts, C is your character, H are your habits. And we start adapting and imitating those of those people around us using their words, their actions, thinking their thoughts, uh, becoming, you know, their integrity or their character and adopting their habits. Right. And so, um, scale of zero to 10, how positive and encouraging are the, is your peer group? And we could always create our own masterminds, right? Create our own book clubs, create our own, uh, people that are just not energy vampires, you know, and then we all have 
people in our lives, friends and family that sometimes kind of steal our energy. And I would just say that, you know, you could love them and also choose your peers. Um, another one, number six, I would say clean environment. So on a scale of zero to 10, your brain loves a clean environment because your external world is a reflection of your internal world. So when you clean, you make your bed, you clean your desktop, you have clarity of thought. Um, number seven, sleep. I mean, can we talk about this? Like how many people are listening to this that have trouble sleeping, they have trouble staying asleep. And it's so important to keep your brain healthy, right? That's where you consolidate short to long-term memory. So if you have long-term memory issues, check your sleep. It's where you clean out beta amyloid plaque that could lead to Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh, it's where you dream. And you know, if you're not getting that good deep sleep or your REM sleep, you're not going to be able to get that restorative you know, thing for your mind and your body. So on a scale of zero to 10, we've done like 10 episodes on optimizing your sleep on our podcast. Um, and I think it's so important. Because um, you can do everything else. Sleep is probably the number one brain hack, if you will. And then finally, eight, nine, and 10, eight, protect your brain. You know, I had three traumatic brain injuries before the age of 12. So wear a helmet. Don't let your kids do, a, you know, extreme sports if, you, if they could prevent it. Because your brain is very, it's resilient, but it's also very fragile. Number nine is new learnings. And I'm preaching to the choir because anyone who's listening or watching this, they love to learn. But that's how you create new connections. And the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. And it actually helps you live longer. There was a study done on nuns. They called it aging with grace. They were living 80, 90 and above. And they said their longevity was because of their, part of it was their emotional faith and gratitude. But the other half, they were lifelong learners. And because of it, added years to their life and life to their years or good years. And then finally, the big one, stress management. Chronic stress has been shown to, to actually shrink the human brain. It puts you in fight or flight or freeze. And that's not the place you want to study in. It's not the place you're going to be the best parent in. It's not the place that you're going to do well in sales meetings, right? And so, um, you know, spending time getting in that parasympathetic rest and digest, zero to 10, how well are you coping with stress? You know, and what are you doing? Like my favorite thing is to meditate. Some people like to work out. Some people go, you know, get some body work or have some red wine or something. But we need to be able to have a way to systematically reduce the stress that builds up just through day-to-day living. So those are uh, just 10 quick tips on just how to upgrade yeah. your upgrade your brain. Because we upgrade everything. We upgrade our cameras. We upgrade our phones. We upgrade our all this technology, our computers and our software and our apps. But we don't upgrade the most important tool that does everything for us, right? So Ed, thanks for sharing those. I think every one of them are spot on. And I know you've tested those over time. And, yeah. And that's that's great. When, you, when you're thinking about all this, because it seems like a lot too, and I know it's not meant to be, oh, you have to be perfect on every one of those on, on a daily basis. But I'm curious, not, to, not that someone would follow this, but like, what is your routine like? Yeah. So my routine is just what kind of works for me. And I would just say, understand the principles behind it, that you don't have to do everything. Um, my thought process is first we create our habits, then our habits create us, right? That if you want to win the day, you have to win that morning. And uh, so there's certain things that I do and you don't have to do everything, but it, you know maybe test it out for yourself because ultimately the person that's listening to this is their own expert. Um, the way I've designed it is, you know, Tim Ferriss has his and Oprah has hers and Tony has his. Mine is about getting my brain set since that's, you know, I want to get my mind right. And so 
And my prerequisite is it doesn't take a lot of time. So you could do this even if you have kids, you could do it with your kids. Um, and it doesn't take time. It actually helps you to almost make time and, and make up time in productivity and performance. So simple things in no specific order. Um, I'll wake up and I'll just uh, take two minutes and just write down my dreams. Um, Mary Shelley created Frankenstein in her dreams. Paul McCartney created the song Yesterday in his dream. A chemist created the periodic table in his dream. Jack Nicholas came back from a slump by changing his grip in a dream. You know, what are we dreaming about? But we're forgetting. So I just take, I have a, like a journal right by my, around my nightstand. I just take two minutes, write down my dreams. And I find every week there's gold there. And I just feel like that's, you know, like we spent 20 years of our life sleeping, three to four, three to five years dreaming. Like that's a, tr- there's a lot of treasure there. Mm. Um, another thing I'll do is I'll make my bed. I've been talking about this for like ever, but and, and a lot of people make their bed, but me, I make it with intention. I make it excellent because I think excellence is a habit and how we do anything is how we do everything. So maybe we take that excellence and other things like my, my, my writing or my, my work. Uh, next thing I'll do is I will, um, I'll hydrate. So I, the, the thing with habits, and we've had uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits, and BJ Fogg, Tiny Habits on our podcast. So we, I'm a big fan of their work. The, the key for habit design is you want to make what's good for you easy and what's bad for you difficult. So for me, I want to hydrate first thing in the morning. So I'll put a glass of water by my nightstand the night before, right? And I'll drink that water because just staying hydrated will boost your reaction time and thinking speed upwards of 30%, which is a huge lift. Yet we can lose up to a pound of water at night through respiration, perspiration. And so I'll drink that water. Um, I'll also have some probiotics also for my gut health because I think your gut is your second brain. Then I'll go outside immediately. Um, there was a study done at Appalachian State University and talking about exercise. And they said, when's the best time to exercise? In the morning, afternoon, or evening? They said, actually, in the morning. And it doesn't have to be your full workout, but those who exercise in the morning actually improve their deep sleep upwards of 75% deeper sleep, which is huge. So I'll go outside. And the reason why I go outside is the sunlight helps to reset your circadian rhythm. It's the most important, probably the most important uh, sleep tip that you could have is getting out in direct sunlight. Even if it's hazy, you'll get the benefit of it, but it has to be outside, not through filtered, because the windows will actually um, not let all the spectrum through. And so it, through your eyes, is your eyes is the only part of your brain that's outside your skull, right? That's how you reset your circadian rhythm is getting daylight first thing in the morning. So when I'm out there, I'll stack and I'll do three minutes of exercise. Like I'll jump on the rebounder that I have in the room here, or I'll do some jumping jacks, some calisthenics. Um, that'll be huge. A couple other things that I'll that I'll throw into it, and this doesn't take time. Like you could do this with your kids. You could, you know, talk about their dreams for a minute mm-hmm. or two. You can show, you know, show them make their bed, right? Um, you could do two minutes or three minutes of you know outdoor activity with them. Um, hydrate. All these things are very simple. Um, two more. Brushing your teeth with your opposite hand. I'll recommend that. Ooh, I'm a big fan. I like that challenge because um, I've been teaching this for thirty years, and I teach people how to use. You know, there are. As your body moves, your brain grooves. It actually stimulates a different part of your brain. But the other reason you do it, it forces you to focus, right? And be present. And I think that's important because most people, they distract themselves first thing in the morning with their devices and they wonder why they can't focus throughout the day, right? I have a video on YouTube that has 37 million views just saying, don't touch your phone for 30 minutes in the morning. Yeah, I saw it. 
Yeah, and it's because it rewires your brain for distraction. It rewires your brain to react to everything as opposed to proactively, you know, designing your day. Um, So when you're brushing with you with your opposite hand, it forces you to focus and you take that focus in other activities. Um, And then I'm a big fan of cold therapy. You know, I met Wim Hof back in uh, 2006, 2007, um, speaking at an event in Boston. And, you know, at my home, I have cold plunges and I just, I like, cold showers. I don't, sorry, I don't like it, but I grew up in the Northeast, you know, and I've spent cold times, you know, in, in New York and Chicago and different places. And I'm not a fan of the cold, but it's our teacher and it helps to lower inflammation in our body. It helps to reset your nervous system even better than coffee for me. And going back to our original conversation, it's training you to do difficult things Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning. And I feel like grit, like resilience um, is a muscle and it's a way of exercising that and being comfortable being coming uncomfortable. And then when you have to have that difficult conversation at work or, you know, with your family or you know, terminate somebody or whatever, it's like, or speak on stage, it shows up, you know, in those emotional muscles. So those are just like six or seven things that I do in the morning, not time consuming at all. Even taking a cold shower probably take you less time, you know, so you save time there. But the big thing is don't touch your phone the last 30 minutes of the day and the first 30 minutes of the day, if you could help it. You know, I would challenge actually everybody who's listening or watching this, you know, you take a screenshot of this episode wherever you're consuming it, tag us both on social media and see if you're up to this challenge of not touching your phone. And just, because again, if you're picking up your phone out of just habit and boredom, then then it's using us, right? And I would say that it's very liberating for me, like just to, for me, when I wake up, I won't touch my phone until I come up with three things I want to accomplish personally and professionally that day. Like I'll fast forward. I'll literally do this thought experiment while I'm in bed. I'll fast forward and then just say, at the end of the day, if someone, my family asked me how my day was, I was like, today was amazing. And then I'll say, okay, what had to happen in order for me to feel that way? Okay, here are three things personally, not big things. Maybe I went for a 20 minute walk with our dogs, right? But it was just like something that would give me joy. And, you know, three things professionally, because we're not going to do the 300 things on our to-do list. Nobody does that. But if I just accomplish these three things, you know, I'll have joy. And then, and I'll work off of those six things. That would be my focus throughout the day. Because the, it's not even about time management. It's about priority management, right? The most important thing is to give the most important thing the most important thing, yeah. right? And really it's about, you know, like Dr. Stephen Covey talks about putting first things first. Have you ever thought of creating your own calendar and every day is like a, a saying or a quote? <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Having like a daily quick, yeah. quick, quick, quickism quick or quote. something. <laughs> a quick quote. Yeah. There quick quote. Quick quotes. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, I have those quotes all over my office and even on my computer yeah, because no, no, not, not, not just mine, but I mean, just other people's because it's, I don't know, it, there's a certain, and I'd be curious actually. So take a screenshot of this, tag us both. And let us know if you're going to do this kind of challenge with your phone or share your favorite quote. I, I love quotes. So I, I always need some good ones. The, the challenge, I'll tag you because I need to do that too. Yeah. It's like that, that is something I struggle with because of work stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million reasons, right? The reality is I wake up at 530 to work out. I don't need to look at my phone. Yeah. It's just a habit. Like it, I, I, tell myself that lie, but it's something I need to work on too. A lot of people say it depletes them. Like even having at the dinner table, having the phone, even if it's face down, 
Um, Simon Sinek talks about the stress it creates, the anxiety of just having to reach for it, right. you know, and how we're not present with the people that, you know, are, are we're with. And, and again, techno- I, I love technology. It's a tool for us to use, but if it's using us, then we become the tool. And I would say that technology is there to make our life more convenient. But if we're doing it at a habit or out of boredom, I think we should, we should, we should, we should manage that. So I have two more quick things. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, I know we got to yeah. roll in a second here. One is I'm looking at all these books. I read a lot of books to nowhere near as many as you read. How do you recall yeah. the key points of the books when you're looking at, I don't know how many books are here? There's thousands. There of, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of books. Yeah. So like, how do you how do you recall the key points of them and retain them for later in your life? That's great. Um, so reading is a skill. And for most people, the last time we upgraded that skill, took a class called reading, we were like, what, six years old, mm-hmm. seven years old. Um, so it's, it's the difficulty and demand has increased, but how we read it is the same. So that growing gap creates a lot of stress. And I think a lot of people are, I bet, who are listening to this, are really good at buying books. <laughs> yeah. But they sit on your shelf and it becomes shelf help, not self-help. <laughs> um, and because their skill in buying a book is not the same skill level of reading that book. And, uh, and we do the things that are just, we're, we're good at. Right, and if we're not good at reading, if reading puts us to sleep, or we forget what we read, or we can't focus, and our mind distracts us, then we're probably not going to do it often. Just like if you're not, you know, if you're not, I'm not a great golfer, so I don't spend a lot of time, you know, on, on the greens because it's just not that fun for me, right? Um, so I would say upgrade your reading skill. Um, how can you do that specifically? Um, well, we teach different techniques and we've done multiple podcast episodes. I actually put a link in my Instagram to a free masterclass on speed reading. So people could, no charge, could just bring a book online and go through it. Um, it and works like instantly too. By it's the way. amazing. We could, by going through it on average, people will improve 50%, which is amazing. Just saving an extra 20 minutes on I every did hour. In, in two lessons, like yeah. 50%. It's, it's incredible, right? And that's the thing. That's the growth we could have because we haven't been trained in decades. Um, but one one tip, quick tip, is just even two, two questions, two things to do. Number one, if you want greater speed, use your finger while you read. We know that when you use a visual pacer and you underline the words, it'll boost your focus and your speed. And that focus will boost your comprehension because our eyes are attracted to motion. And so when we're underlining the words with a pen, a highlighter, a mouse on a computer, our finger, our our eyes are being pulled through the information because visual focus leads your mental focus, all right? The second thing I would say that would help you retain a lot more what you read in these books is ask better questions. Most people, when they read, they don't have anywhere near as many questions in terms of what they're looking to get out of the outcome of reading that book. And questions are the answer. Meaning um, there's part of your brain called the reticular activating system, RAS, which determines what you're aware of, what you concentrate on. So for example, years ago, my sister, I talk about this in the book, would send me postcards and emails about a specific kind of dog, a pug dog, right? Very docile, you know, little dog that you could dress up and you know, do whatever. Um, but I started seeing these pug dogs everywhere all of a sudden, right. right? And my question is, where were these pug dogs before? They were always there, but I never paid attention because I wasn't, it wasn't important to me. So once I started asking the question, like, why is she sending me all these pictures? Because her birthday was coming up, right? Then I started seeing them everywhere. Well, the answers are always there. And so when you start reading and you start asking more questions, you're reading through it. And then all of a sudden, there's a pug dog, there's a pug dog, there's, that's comprehension, 
right? So we're pulled through the information as opposed to our attention being pulled apart, thinking about like things that are going to distract us. But I, my three questions I ask all the time when I'm learning something, even listening to a podcast like yours, how can I use this? I'm obsessed with that question. So I start getting answers. Number two, why must I use this? So it goes from my head to my heart because you want to get those emotions there because if I don't have a reason, I won't get the reward. And then the third question I ask, when will I use this? So it goes from my head to my heart to my hands, like in terms of scheduling. Because if it's not, the truth is we schedule doctor's appointments, investor meetings, client calls. But when do we schedule like our own growth? Like a lot of people, they won't work out, not because they're lazy, it's just they don't schedule it. And then the whole day escapes them and they are like, oh, I should have worked out today or I should have meditated. you know. But I think for every hour people listen to a podcast like yours, they need to get in the habit of saying, okay, I'm going to spend an equal hour implementing what I learned from that. And because the truth is, all the books, audio, I was going to say tapes that kind of date me, uh, all, the, all the books and podcasts and conferences, none of it works unless we work, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's the, the key is to take knowledge is not power, it's potential power because power when we apply it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so all your listeners and all the people that, it, you know, amazing people that attend your events, I would say that uh, we do ourselves a disservice by reading something and not implementing it because then you're no better off than somebody who's illiterate, right? And so that's the goal. Those who can learn and then translate that learning into action will, they'll lead the field. Yeah. Otherwise they're ideas, right? And they're ideas yeah. in your brain and who doesn't have ideas? So you just get- There's so many more. ideas, but very few implement yeah. implementers. All right, last thing, because I know mm-hmm. we got a roll, but I promised Morgan I'd ask you this question. Yes, let's do it. So Morgan is my 11-year-old daughter, and she's a student mm-hmm. of, uh, of Quick Brain. She asked me, what would you tell your younger self? Oh, that's a great- What advice would you give your younger self? That's a great question, Morgan. Um, you know, there there are two people that I want to make proud in my life. And most people, when I say that, will think of parents. But for me, I want I want to make the the 90-year-old version, the 90-year-old me proud and the 9-year-old me proud. You know, looking back at that 9-year-old boy, he was labeled broken. Um it was hard to think about it, but the one that was just wanted to run away and you know, and just not be seen. You know, I want to. I want to make that boy proud, and then I want to make you know. Fast forward to that nine-year-old version of me proud also. And so I would say to the nine-year-old boy that um, that you're not broken. You know that you are enough. Um, the other thing I would say is that I don't know if the nine-year-old version of me would get this, but that you are a hundred percent responsible for your life that your circumstances, your environment, other people's expectations, your experiences might have shaped you who you are, but you you have choice who you're going to be today and who you're going to be moving forward. When I talk about responsibility, you know, you, you saw in my office, I have um, this art from uh, Stan Lee um, on the wall, different in almost <laughs> in a lot of my rooms. And Stan is the creator of all of my favorite superheroes that are also in my room. Um, and I got to introduce, um, I got to spend time with him and go to dinner. And I asked him in the car, who's your favorite superhero that you've created? And he says, it's um, Iron Man. And he signed that Iron Man for me in the corner there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's, I said, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? 
And I said, Spider-Man. And without a pause in his iconic voice, he goes, with great power comes great responsibility. And truth be told, I reverse things a bunch, uh, maybe because my traumatic brain injury, when I hear something, when I read it still, um, and I heard something different. I was like, you're right. With great power comes great responsibility. And the opposite is also true. With great responsibility comes great power. When we take responsibility for something, we have great power to make things better. So Morgan, I, I would say that, I would say to my nine-year-old self is that you're doing fine and you are responsible for your life, you know, good, bad, or good, better, or, or indifferent. And, um, you know, that these difficult times, they could define you. These difficult times, they could diminish you. Or these difficult times, they could develop you. You know, we, we always decide. Wow, what, uh, what great insights and advice to leave this wonderful conversation with. Thank you, Jim, so much for your time. Can't wait to see you in, in December at Refuel. For those of you yes. who are watching and listening, Jim's going to be there in Naperville. Cannot live. wait. And uh, we're going to get into some of these techniques, I'm sure, and just a lot, much a lot so. more. But man, I really am honored to have had this time with you today. And again, thank you've you. been an inspiration to me, and it's just been incredible to get to know you more. Yeah, thank you, Joe. And I just want to thank you for not only what you do, but also the the manner you do it. I haven't done a, like podcasts here in my, in my home. I do my own podcast, but um, it, that's 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 a real treat for me to be on the receiving end because uh, you know normally it's a little different. But I would say um, I look forward to seeing everybody at Refuel. Um, and you know, if you are going to screen capture this, like tag us and put a link because you know if you got any value out of what you heard, I think you know the best way of learning something is to teach it. And so if you post it. I'll actually, um, if you tag me, I'll get to see it and I'll repost it and I'll actually gift a copy of uh, Limitless to one person oh, just as a just as a thank you, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I really do believe, I, I, this is the quote that gets shared the most, that life is like an egg, that if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. Great things begin on the inside. Yeah. And if you're listening to this still, like, then you have greatness inside of you already. Um, you know, and, and that, that's where it starts. You have greatness and genius. And uh, I think we're all on this quest to reveal and realize our fullest potential, you know? And so that's really the goal is to keep showing up for ourselves. But um, amazing. Well, thank you, my friend. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Jim, for the conversation. I am so glad I was able to get Morgan's question in at the end because that is going to win me some major cool dad points. At least I hope so. Always worth trying. Also, I kept thinking about what you said, heroes give back. Jim, you're the epitome of a hero giving back with your charitable contributions to Alzheimer's research and bringing education to underserved areas of the world. I'm in awe of how you're able to push through your fear of public speaking and truly make a dent in this world and continue to make a difference. Refuel this year, everyone, is gonna blow you away and you cannot miss Jim. He is gonna be kicking off the day Appropriately so, because not only is he going to give you actionable advice you can use in your life, you'll be able to use these techniques to engage and retain the content you'll be hearing during the live stream. Don't miss out on your free, yes, I said free virtual ticket. Go to notalmostthere forward slash refuel to sign up today. As always, thank you for listening. Do me one favor though before you leave. Share this with one person if you found this helpful. It would mean a ton as we are trying to help as many people as possible and you are the catalyst for that. If I haven't said it lately, I appreciate you. Have a great week all and remember, 
you, me, we are not almost there.